welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Tim. It is so good to see you on this Christmas Eve together. And as we hear from uh, the book of Isaiah about this wonderful promise to come, we get to celebrate the presence of Christ among us. And so I just have a few observations as we dig into tonight's scripture and to share a few thoughts as we gather together around Jesus, the gift this Christmas. The story goes, a little girl, she climbed into the lap of Santa. She was at a mall. And as soon as she was settled in, Santa, of course, says, well, little girl, what would you like for Christmas? And she looked at Santa eyes open wide, jaw dropped, look of horror on her face. And she looked at Santa and said, didn't you get my email? (laughs) Don't worry, kids. That wasn't the real Santa. That was just a mall Santa because the real Santa has high-speed internet. It's all going to be just fine. He got your email. But let me ask you, if you can ask Santa for anything, what would it be? Isaiah 9 tells us exactly what you need, this wonderful counsel, this mighty God, this everlasting Father, this Prince of Peace. You know, back in the 70s when I was growing up, uh, I knew exactly what I needed, put it on my wish list for Santa, and I let Santa know I needed a G.I. Joe action figure with the matching combat Jeep. That was what I really needed for me to be fulfilled in life. And I got it. So I think Santa thought I was being good that year. But a week later, I was already bored with it. That probably doesn't happen to you and your kids, right? Now, as I got older, my needs changed, my desires changed. I became a a cool teenager. And so I wanted what the other cool teenagers had. And so in the 1980s, it was a Nintendo game console system. I wanted to play Mario Brothers and this thing called Tetris. Ever heard of that game? And something called Legend of Zelda. I wanted to be one of the cool kids. If I could just get that, Santa, Santa must have thought I had some deficit that year or thought that my Atari 2600 was good enough because I did not get the Nintendo. And then I got into college and the needs and desires and hopes and dreams changed. I knew if I just got a girlfriend, that that would be the answer. Dear Santa, could you help out a somewhat less, uh, maybe shorter than average height, uh, UCLA freshman math nerd with a decent personality? Could you help this person get a suitable mate? Well, that didn't happen that year. I guess I was naughty again. And as I got older and got older and got older, the list just kept changing. It was, once I got married, then it's, which was great, then it's like, well, if I just owned my own place, then I'll be happy. That's what I needed. As I got older, it was, well, once I finally get like a decent investment portfolio, then, then I can have security, and then I know I'll be happy. Or if my kids could just get into the best colleges, then, then I'll be happy. As I got older, I saw the pattern. You see, happiness and fulfillment is just one acquisition away. You know, some people say you never really grow up. What happens is that the toys on the wish list just change. They get a little bit more expensive and more elusive. Every year, we're always looking 
for something? Is any acquisition ever enough? And so we come back to this Isaiah prophecy on this Christmas Eve. Hundreds of years before the coming of Christ, a child is predicted that will be born. And we'll take on these four titles. This wonderful counselor is the first title. I just want to give quickly four observations this Christmas Eve. First of all, this wonderful counselor could also be translated a miraculous counselor. It's not just someone who is really insightful. There's something super special about this child to come, this person to come. It's no ordinary counselor. This is not just good advice. And in the person of Jesus, this means this wonderful counselor has supernatural insight into your life. Wow. He knows you better than you know yourself. Jesus himself, he actually called you into being, and he will determine your eternal destiny. That's whom we worship and who we celebrate this Christmas. So it doesn't matter if you're seven years old and think that G.I. Joe is going to fulfill you and make you happy, or you're 57 and you think cryptocurrency, that's what's going to make me happy and be satisfied. Jesus, the wonderful counselor, says, I know you better than you know yourself. I know how to meet the needs of the deepest part of your soul and your inner life. Listen to me. Pay attention to me. The wonderful counselor came to this planet because he knew you were longing for an everlasting love, a purpose in this life, something you cannot attain on your own. It has to come through him and from him. Do you know this wonderful counselor? When's the last time you've talked with him? We hope coming here tonight is one of, a, of many a times you do this throughout the year. We hope that even as you leave this place tonight, there'd be a, a desire and even a knowledge of how to spend time and talk to the person of Jesus Christ. He's a wonderful counselor. He knows you better than you know yourself. Have you listened to him? Have you received his instruction? Do you find it natural to obey the things that he asks us to do? Or... Do we find ourselves more often with misdirected longings in things that just don't last? The wonderful counselor is trying to redirect you towards a much more fulfilling and happier and joyful life, and that's only in and through him. Do you know this wonderful counselor? This wonderful counselor who knows you well intimately, who arrived with vulnerability, who arrived in humble circumstances, that this great king of kings came right down at your level and says, I understand you, and I want to hear from you. Spend time with this wonderful counselor. Know him, trust him. Secondly, Isaiah says something else, that this wonderful counselor is also the mighty God. Now, the word for mighty is a special word. It's used in military context in the original language. So think of someone who powerfully and skillfully and overwhelmingly can eradicate enemies. And yet, it's a God who uses his power for good, so loving that he didn't want to hoard his perfect love, but he wanted to share it. Oh, that's what this mighty God looks like, a strong and gentle God. But yes, strong, someone who's ready to fight your battles. I don't know what battles you're going through, what enemies are in in your world right now in the context in which you live each day. But There's a wonderful counselor who knows your needs, It's a mighty God who's ready to fight the real battles for you. Will you lean on him? Will you trust in him? The strong and gentle God. Well, it sounds a lot like Jesus, I'll tell you that. 
Listen to his words in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says this to you tonight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Where are you struggling? Where are you tired? This wonderful counselor, this mighty God, his name is also Emmanuel. He comes near. Will you join him and rest in his power to fight the battles for you? He knows them. He knows the battles you're facing. Turn to him. He won't leave you behind. Listen to the Apostle Paul's words in Romans 8, 38. It says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. Thirdly, Isaiah predicts that this Messiah to come, this child to come, will be an everlasting father. What an interesting thing that Isaiah says. Isaiah is describing a Messiah who is a benevolent caregiver, like a good, good father watching over his children. I need to pause and ask you, I always have to ask this, is the idea of a kind father something that is easy for you to imagine? It's not always the case for all of us. Well, the Bible is talking about imagining one who would come into your life, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God who fights your battles, a good father who cares and provides and protects you. That's what the Bible is saying about this everlasting father. You might struggle with the idea of God as father for whatever reason. We want to respect that and recognize that. But the Bible is painting a picture of someone you could feel safe with, someone you could feel who will fight for you, be strong for you, will care for you, will empower you, a wise and gentle and compassionate God. And the Messiah, Isaiah is saying, will have these qualities of an everlasting father. And maybe for you, a father like you've never had. God the Father wants to refather you then in the right way. Kindness and gentleness and strength and wisdom in your life. The Messiah will have the qualities of the everlasting father and it will be the singular path back to God the Father himself. And so perhaps Isaiah is even imagining the reality that the Messiah somehow will be one with God the Father. And then I'm reminded of Jesus' words from John 10 and John 14, where Jesus says, I and the Father are one. When you see me, Jesus said, you see the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. Maybe this is what Isaiah was able to see in some part that this Messiah to come will somehow be like an everlasting father and be a path to God the Father. Lastly and fourthly, the Messiah will be a prince of peace. Did he need some peace in your life? See, the word for prince has this broad idea of someone with great authority. So not just only a prince, but someone who has the ability to make things happen and make things change. Isaiah 9.2 specifically prophesies that God will provide a light Emits the darkness. You see, when Isaiah was writing this, his own people were in a very dark time. There was civil war going on. There were foreign nations who either threatened their safety or there were foreign nations saying, if you just pay up some money, we'll, we'll protect you. We got your back. There was a high price to pay for their friendship. God's people had turned their backs on God as well. 
And yet God is promising that one day this great leader to come would bring ultimate restoration, this prince of peace. And hundreds of years after Isaiah's prophecy, God's people, we find, were being oppressed again, this time by the Roman Empire. These were dark times for the people. Dark times economically and physically and politically and spiritually. And specifically, Isaiah 9, 2 says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Oh, Jesus comes into the midst of our dark times, the uncertainties that we face. Whatever you bring in here tonight, today, God knows, and you can give him everything, even the darkest parts. Does darkness permeate your Christmas season? Maybe a corner of it or maybe a whole lot of it. This Christmas, I want you to be reminded that in Christ, because of this one that Isaiah prophesied, that God comes amidst the grief. He's not shy to come near. I know the dark times you might be facing, you might see as insurmountable. God will not abandon you. There's a great light. It might seem a bit faint right now, but a great light willing to shine into your life. Jesus can take the chaos and make it calm. Do you need some calm amidst the chaos? Well, this wonderful counsel, this mighty God, this everlasting Father, and this Prince of Peace can take the chaos and make it calm. Have you called out to him? You won't find true and lasting peace without him. You know, the story is a book called The Dance of Hope by a man named Bill Fry. He tells of a blind student that he was tutoring at the university. One day, Bill, the tutor, asked John, the student, how he had become blind. And the student described for him an accident that happened in his teenage years. And the tragedy not only took his sight, but also took his hope. John went on to tell Bill, he says, I was bitter and angry with God for letting it happen. I took out my anger on everyone around me. And I felt since I had no future, I wouldn't lift a finger on my own behalf. I'll just let other people serve me since God let this happen to me. And the story surprised Bill because this is not at all how John the student came across. He didn't come across bitter in any way. So obviously some kind of change happened in John's life. And so John said the change happened back when something with his dad happened. Dad challenged him one winter. The dad was actually tired of the pity party he saw his son, John, going through because of the tragic accident. And he wanted him to get on with his life. And so one time the dad told John to... uh, to put up these windows. We need storm windows put up. We're in a cold part of the, of the city. We got to put this up. I'm leaving. You're in charge. Go get it done. He slams the door. John says, all right, I'll show you. So blind as he is, he goes. He finds his way to the garage where his dad says to do the change. He finds the windows. And he knows he's put, supposed to put them up before his dad comes back. And he's thinking to himself, oh, I can't wait till I fall off that ladder and I'm going to get hurt and they're going to see, they're going to be so sorry they made me do this. He found everything, he went the step ladder, he took the tools and he went to work, but he was fine. 
he actually got the job done. And little by little, he groped around the house and he did what he needed to do. And he put the windows in. And the assignment achieved his dad's goal because John reluctantly realized that he actually could do something even with his disability. And he started to reconstruct his life from that point on. And years later, he learned something, not about himself, but about his dad that he didn't know at the time. He says this, he told Bill, his tutor, he says, I later discovered that no time during that, my day, my dad was never more than four feet away from me. He followed him the whole time. I don't know what you come with tonight. If it's hard for you to believe there really is a Prince of Peace and an everlasting father or a wonderful counselor or a mighty God who's near you, you might seem like you're groping in the dark. Maybe you think God is blind to your pain or indifferent, or maybe powerless if there is a God. Oh, but the scriptures are describing a good God. His name is Jesus, and he's near. I don't know, it might be dark. <laughs> it might be hard to feel him or, or to see him or understand him. Would you call out to him? Would you even do the daring risk of prayer to say, God, I need you to show me what you're like then. Reveal yourself to me. We would love to pray that with you. God, reveal yourself to me. If you're real, show yourself. You know, Isaiah 9-7 says this. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. What Isaiah is saying, that whoever this child is to come, his reign and rule and power will never end. It will go on for eternity. And so it's a reminder for us this Christmas Eve, the only good things that will last beyond this life are the things that we place in the hands of this child that Isaiah predicted to come who would be the Messiah. The only things that are good in this life that will last, you got to hand over to Jesus. Nothing else will. So I ask you again, what's on your Christmas list? What's your top things that will fill your soul, make you happy? Isaiah's prophecy tells us exactly what we need. We need a wonderful counselor who redirects our misplaced dependence on things that don't last, right? We need a mighty God who fights our battles and won't leave us behind. We need an everlasting father who's present even when we don't see him or feel him or understand him. We need a prince of peace who has the authority and the power to turn your chaos into calm. Do you know this Jesus? He wants to know you. Have you given your life to him? See, the Bible says that the angels rejoice in heaven over one sinner who repents. The heavens rejoice over you giving your heart to him. See, in between the beginning and end of your life, you have to decide if you believe in Christianity and this Christmas story, and if you will receive God's gift of his son. You see, God gave his life, and he gave it for you simply out of his goodness, not based on anything good in you. And that's actually good news, because that means you didn't earn God's love, and that also means you can't lose God's love. It's the only kind of perfect love that exists. 
unearnable, unlosable love in Christ Jesus. See, this is no ordinary baby that Isaiah predicts. This is not just some prophet or spiritual guide. It's not merely a political leader or life coach. On Christmas of all days, let's not misunderstand why Jesus came and why he lived and why he died and why he rose again. He wanted to come near to you. He wanted to be your counselor. He wanted you to lead you back to the everlasting Father. He wants to be this mighty God who fights your battles. He wants you to know that he understands your hurts and your desires and your needs. And he says, follow me and I will give you life. He doesn't need you. Oh, but you need him. Would you take a risk and pray with me right now? Let's close our eyes and say, Lord, we don't always understand you, but we want to believe these words, what Isaiah described you to be, and that was all fulfilled in you, Jesus, 2,000 years ago. And today, Jesus, because you rose again, by the power of your spirit, you're with us. We pray now, Lord, even as we wrap up this time, that something that we have sung, something that we have spoken, something tonight is resonating in us. Oh, Lord, would you reveal to us where we need you evermore? Would you reveal to us, Lord, where we have been stubborn and resisting your love? Show us, Lord, that you are a good God, that you'll never leave our side, especially for those where it's hard for us to see you right now. Lord, I pray especially for them in the midst of the darkness or the struggle or the doubts that you would bless them, Lord, with your assurance that even in the midst of our doubts, you will not stray. Thank you, Lord, for being close to us. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.